Hello and welcome to Cannon and Cockrell. My name is Michael and I'm a rather depressed Spurs fan. And I'm Jason and I'm a rather elated gooner. And it's uh, the day after the second North London derby of the season. Um, a victory for Arsenal, their first victory in this fixture since the 3rd of December 2018 and the very first episode of this podcast. But 44 episodes later, I went back and counted. Very good. They finally won again. Uh, Jason, how are you feeling today? Oh, it's a bit of relief, to be honest. But once you put it into that perspective, I mean... I sent something in the air. I was giving it all that kind of like, there's no pressure on us. Like, we're all good. Like, it doesn't really matter. Season's over. But I just had this little feeling that it usually happens. The team that are like, in these kind of big games, the teams that are favourites and kind of ever, are swiftly going about their business, um, it's the underdogs who are doing that hard work and kind of, you know, they're geared up for it. They have that special source. And that's certainly what we saw yesterday. I mean... It was, uh, you know, coinciding with Mother's Day in England. It was very hard to, to justify putting my full attention on Arsenal and to my mother. So um, I, I managed to do it OK. I managed to, uh, you know, yeah, the first half was, was kind of my half eye, I must be honest with you. The second was, was full on uh, come on you gunners. But, uh, yeah, I mean... W- I was happy overall with the performance. I think a lot of the Spurs fans have been, I've heard, have been saying, we just gave it to them, we gave them respect. And that might be true. But this Arsenal team is a different beast from three months ago. And I know I've had some comments about how we've been doing in the last you know, few weeks. And, uh, but it's, it's the performances that give me hope going forward. There's passing again. There's clever passing. There, there, there's good tackling. There's good positioning. We're tighter at the back. You know, we're still prone to making individual errors, and that's frustrating. But there's something brewing where players can slot in and out, and it, there's just a system that seems to be working. I'm not quite sure what it is, but there's something that seems to be working, and they seem to know what they're doing. And, and for me, it just seems to be that, that power from Tierney on the left-hand side. It seems to be where it's all really sparking for me. Um, Emil Smith-Rowe just... Just everywhere. He's Jack Wilshire 2.0 for me, but maybe this time with, without the injuries, hopefully. I've just he's just so special. Um Saka as well, you know, you know, what he can do. And Odegaard has he's just got it. There's something about the touch. Him and Party as well. It's it's something about world class quality players. They have a certain something. You can tell as soon as they're on the ball and off the ball, they they just they just know what they're doing. They fit they've been they've They've been to the the big boy universities. They they know what they're doing. And yeah, I mean, party is for me frustrating because he does make mistakes. I'm not quite sure what he is still. You know, he can't seem to shoot for love or money. He's prone to um to to to, to terrible passing. Um, and obviously he was nutmegged for Lamella's good fluky goal. Um, and. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it all started, I guess, but we can talk about it more in depth, but it all started with what I thought was a tactical decision to put up Lacazette up front. And yeah, I'd say that the Olympiacos game is more important, but it seemed to work a treat. And yeah, it all just clicked in our favour. And I think the most important thing was that Bale, Son and Kane um, didn't perform. If they had been on their A game, I don't think we would have won that. And looking at the chances again... I was watching the highlights again. I just wanted to kind of give myself a little refresher. Probably should have been a draw. 
But I don't think you can say that Arsenal really didn't deserve it. I think, I think uh, you know, now we've beaten all those top six teams in the time that Arteta's been there. We're, we're no longer that Wenger pushover team. But there, there are there are leftovers from the Wenger era. But Arteta's getting big scalps in these big games, and I think there's enough now I've seen to say that yeah, okay, you got the full summer, a non-COVID season, hopefully. Let's see what's going to happen now. There, there, there's something exciting going on. I see. Well, as I'm sure you can imagine, I've got the, the complete opposite feeling <laughs> about that match. Um, it's interesting what you said about the extent to which, you know, was it Spurs backing off? Was it Arsenal playing well? And I think it was a mixture of the two. And I think you were spot on when you said Arsenal are a different proposition to what they were when we last played three months ago and I think what was frustrating was seeing us approach this match in the exact same way we approached that game and in that game we sat off you and hit you on the break and it worked because we were much better defensively then than we are now and you weren't as strong going forwards but now we're much weaker defensively you're much better offensively and it what you know when I saw the lineup before the game and actually uh, we tweet on the Cannon and Cockrell Twitter account. We tweeted out the lineups, and someone called Perry Grayson, if you're hello Perry, if you're listening, uh, replied to the Spurs lineup, um, saying that he was an Arsenal fan, but the Spurs lineup looked really strong and attack-minded, and that's what it did look like with Kane and, and Bale and Lucas and Son. It looked like we were going to go for it and we were going to attack, just like we had done in in the previous games that we played against Burnley and against Palace, where we'd scored four goals. But we completely sat off from from the first minute. We we sat back and we let you have all of the ball and and all of the initiative and and build up that that confidence. And we've seen with Arsenal, when you put pressure on your defenders, they are prone to to making mistakes and and they're there to be to be got at. I mean, it it, it like the mind boggles that Burnley pressed you higher and put your defence under more pressure than we did. And I just couldn't understand why you would play all those attacking players and then have such defensive negative approach. And what made it all the more frustrating was in the final 10 minutes when we actually started to attack you, you looked vulnerable and we could have got what would have been a very undeserved equaliser, but it wasn't until we were a, a man down and a goal down and had basically already lost the match that, that we started to play. And you thought, well, why weren't we doing that from the start when we had 11 men on the pitch and when we had, Bale and Son. And I think that's the most frustrating thing from a Spurs perspective is that as well as Arsenal played and as much as I think they have improved over the past few months, you were still there to be got at. And if we'd if we'd played for the full match the way we did in those last 10 minutes, I think it, it would have been a very different result. And the Lamella goal, which is the only positive to take out of it, was... I mean, the noise I made when that goal went in, I don't think I've ever made before and I won't try and repeat. But it's, it's, it's annoying how good it was because it's gone to waste because it's, he, got, he got sent off and we lost the game. So it's almost a worthless goal. But you look, I mean, it's got to be one of the best goals scored ever in a North London derby, one of the goals of the season. And yet it counts for nothing. And, and even when it happened, because we've been playing, we were playing so badly, I was like, I already knew, even though we went one 0 up, I thought we're still going to lose this game, and and that goal is going to be wasted. You know that goal has been wasted on a terrible performance and a terrible match, and in a way, that's the biggest uh, the biggest crime of our performance is that we wasted probably 
one of the best goals you've ever scored on one of our worst performances of the season. Um, and it kind of it raises all the old questions again about Mourinho because we kind of thought that there was a bit of a resurgence after those wins against Burnley and Fulham and Palace and in the Europa League as well. But now I think I was reading that since we beat you in December, we've had eight games against teams in the top half of the league and lost all of them. Yeah. So we flipped because at the start of the season, it was we were beating the top six teams, but slipping up and drawing against teams lower down in the table. Now it's the other way around. We can only beat teams in the lower half of the table and, and not beat teams above us. And what you were saying as well about having a feeling going into it, the moment I thought, OK, when we're not going to win this game was when Mourinho made that comment before about looking up, not looking down. And I thought that you can get away with making a comment like that after the game if you've won it but not before you're just completely jinxing it and, and giving the Arsenal players all the motivation they need you know that's Arteta's team talk sorted so I felt from his pre-match comments to then how the team was set up Mourinho got it all wrong and he seemed to treat Arsenal like I, I you know and I know you've improved and I know you played well but you are still 10th and you are still inconsistent and vulnerable this season and yet it seemed like we were playing we went there as if we were playing vintage Wenger Arsenal rather than the work in progress Arteta Arsenal and it just seemed like we were afraid and I it yeah very very strange but going back to Arsenal I'm wondering what you make of all the behind the scenes drama with Aubameyang and Arteta saying he dropped him because he was late and then him these reports of him leaving the ground early what do you make of that and are you worried about the possible long-term ramifications of that mm. Mm. yeah I mean I think fair enough to everything you've said as well now considering it the Spurs you know it sounds like again it's the manager their influence because we know what Spurs can do I mean we saw at the start of the season there was a winning combination there and you know it just seemed like you just weren't getting the best out of your best tools you know Eric Lamella and Moore looked the date most dangerous and they were getting the ball with all due respect I think Kane Son and Bale would have done had much more impact um moving on to us I mean behind the scenes yeah I mean the Grove said something really interesting that if it was, well, we clearly know what it was, but we could have just let it out that it was a tactical thing because that's what I thought when when someone asked, "Oh my God, Damien has been dropped," I said, "No, no, no, he's been rested because it's Europa League. It wasn't a problem." And they made a mountain out of a molehill, reputation-wise. And I don't think it was fair to anyone for that. I think it causes more noise and distractions than we need, especially. You know, since he's been getting back into form and and we've got this Europa League run coming. So it's, it's a real shame about what's actually been happening. So I, all the knowledge I know is it sounds like, and again, it's all alleged and uh, I, I don't know if it's for sure. He was late to a team meeting, apparently. The preparations for the game. Um, and yeah, I mean, Arteta talked about non-negotiables. He did it with Mesut Ozil. Um, Gwendozi was out the door. There are certain things, you know, you've got to follow the rules. And 
Shaka, I'm sure, when he, he had some mistakes in him and Pepe, they were they were dropped and they were dealt with and they came back in. The attitude was great. I haven't seen anything from Aubameyang today. I might be wrong. I haven't looked closely, but apologising or kind of clearing the air about it. I think for me, very much the right call because you need to. Your leaders need to be shown as, you know, if you're the example, the young players need to know what the example is. And luckily we, we won the game and luckily we didn't need him. And I think that's fine. If they can just bring him in and, and you know, he's fined or whatever behind the scenes, then no damage done in that respect. If it's a repeat thing, which I've heard there have been some issues, then that's something that needs to be addressed. In terms of the thing after the game, that's not acceptable if that's true. You know, you, you have to... That That's clearly going off in a strop and trying to prove a point. I didn't play the game. And that's just going to cause more issues. And that, for me, is the, deci- is the decision from him, if it's, again, all true. That is the catalyst for a change of captain. Because, again, if, if all these things are happening... You know, we've seen it before. William Gallagher had a smoke and he was he was taken out. It, it was an excuse after he'd done what he did in that Birmingham game to, to, to get him out of his captaincy. Shaka swore at the fans. That was pretty bad. Um, that was an excuse to get out of the captaincy. Aubameyang was never the right captaincy choice. He was the best player in the team. Yeah, they all loved him because he seems like a great personality. Um, but he didn't have that something special, I think, that makes a captain. It's... It's leading by example. It's 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 being willing to put your sleeves up when it matters. And he, I just didn't. It's just a it's just a gut feeling. I think for me, that's what I see as a captain. That that Gerard Lampard, um, Terry kind of uh, even Harry Kane. Although I know Lloris is captain, but it's it's something. It's Roy of the Rovers type type stuff. Um, and for me, it's Kieran Tierney. He looks like the born, ready-made captain. It was Bellerin, but Bellerin now, I think, will be out in the summer. Cedro seems to have done a good job. If rumours to believe to be believed, Tarek Lamptey could be our, our new blooded right-back, which would be very exciting. Um, but yeah, based on that, that story and everything, I, think, I, I, I hope that they can just sort it out behind the scenes, because any more explicit... Um, scenes of disrespect and the, then there'll be consequences and maybe he'll get a move in the summer i don't know maybe i think the relationship has soured um already over half a season and i think arteta now he's stumbled upon a formula he might think you know what i don't need you i, I, I can get someone in the mold that, that, that will fit all of these young talents and uh maybe balogun will come back in who knows maybe in ketty will get a couple of starts martinelli of course we keep forgetting about him um so yeah very frustrating but luckily it wasn't the talking point because luckily we won the game it's interesting that 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 contract that he got over the summer you might look back and potentially regret that as much as the the ozil contract mm. well i mean willie anzi as as much so but uh it, it, it's kind of ridiculous with a strong arm to that. I'm not. I'm not so bothered about the contract because I think the contract is. It was. It was a reward for the amazing performances. I don't think three years was right, but that's another story. The William one was more damaging because you're going out proactively and getting someone new on the payroll. Um, and I guess I can kind of turn it back to you in terms of controversies. I mean, Lamella seems to be involved in a lot of issues, and I guess. 
I guess he probably won't. You know, he's not going to be the starter all the time, anyways. Do you think that's just uh, whatever, and you just move on? You play, you bail Son Kane. Well, you can't play Son anymore. I mean, that I think that's the bigger talking point. What's going to happen to you if Son and Son's out for the business end of the season? Yeah, I mean, losing Son would be be huge. And and when he went down injured, I think it was still nil nil at that stage. And oh yeah, of course, because Lamella came on for him. Um, that was another moment where I thought this this just isn't going to go our way today. And yeah, obviously we're waiting to to see how bad the damage is. If he's out, that will be be huge for us. I know obviously Bale has had a resurgence, and Lamella before he got sent off was playing well, and and maybe Delhi's back in the fold now, but. Son and in particular his partnership with Kane has been such a huge source of goals for us that if we're going to be missing him now for I don't know four five six weeks then yeah that could have a huge effect effect on our season and and I I think feel like a lot of Spurs fans are, are blaming Mourinho for having overplayed Son you think of all those times when he played him in the Europa League when maybe he didn't need to or didn't sub him off early when he could have done and you just wonder you could, could he have been better protected because it could his minutes have been managed more carefully and is this going to start happening to other players in the team now I think Hoiberg is the only player to have played as many minutes as Son this season and he was starting to look rusty I thought against Arsenal he wasn't anywhere near his best mm, didn't see him at all actually. yeah uh, and Undombele as well I thought I mean both yeah, of them nice. that midfield partnership had been so strong and they both looked way off the pace uh, yesterday and Bale, we know, has already had his injury issues lately, so it wouldn't be a surprise if, if he pulled up again. With Lamella, I think it's funny that actually that was his first uh, red card at Tottenham. And he's the kind of player who you feel like has been sent off at least five times before because he always plays on the edge. That's that's his game. and he all, But he always seems to know kind of exactly what he can get away with. He always kind of goes right up to the line but never crosses it. And he's always very kind of little things off the ball, little nudges into players, kind of winding them up. And I think a lot of fans like that about Lamella and that he's a pest and he gets in opposition's faces. And do you remember the the 6-1 at, at United? He he got Martial sent off and it was him kind of pressing United that, that got us that instant equaliser. And obviously he scored that incredible... I mean, that's not even the, the only Rabona that he scored at Tottenham. The fact that he's a player where you can ask which Rabona goal was better uh, is very rare. But at the same time, it, it's the two sides of Lamella. You saw in one game, the good, the bad and the ugly, that he can produce those moments of magic. But then at the same time, he's he can be a liability as well. And it was just such a... I mean, I, I don't think it had much of an impact on the game. And I think we... If anything, we played better after the red card. But uh, it, it was just added kind of insult to injury and it's a suspension that we could do without particularly if Son's going to be missing a game now um but I don't think there'll be any kind of long-term ramifications like that that's the kind of player he is and I think fine if you're an opposition uh, fan or player you're thinking finally he's been punished for it you know finally he's got a red card because to be honest he probably should have had a lot of red cards before this whether uh, you know I know some people say question whether they were both yellows but I think with Lamella it was probably overdue that he got a red card it's just a shame that it came against Arsenal and and in those circumstances and when he's been playing so well as well and had scored such a good goal to go from a Rabona to a red card it's probably one of the most memorable North London derby performances and actually I, I sent this stat to you on Twitter but I think the first time 
that a Tottenham player has been scored and been sent off in the same game since Adebayor against Arsenal. So it seems to be something that players London, do. Legend. Yeah, exactly. It seems to be something that happens to Tottenham players in the North London derby. They they lose their heads a bit. Um, but I wonder whether, I mean, does that win change anything for Arsenal in terms of your priorities? Because off the back of that that three one win away at Olympiacos, you're you're pretty much in the quarterfinal. It would take something spectacular for you not to be in the quarterfinals now. But does this win? make you think twice about the league or is it still very much all out for the Europa? I mean, with Arsenal, you never know. <laughs> it's not over till it's over. I can see us winning, losing 3-0 at the Emirates. It's just, it's uh, it's possible. Um, I don't know. I mean, when you start to, again, you, it's, you know, so many regrets of silly results and silly decisions that would have put us in contention to the top four. And I just, I don't want to get too excited, but being a game in hand on Chelsea and you know, potentially being seven points behind. It's not that much. But 10 games to go, I don't know. I don't think it's possible. I don't even want to get excited. If it if it somehow happens by miracle that we go and win the next 10 games, um, then so be it. Lovely. But I think, no. I think, I think that was a nice token win against Spurs. It just sets the tone for next season. The league is a write-off. We're just getting through, you know, getting players to have moved blood in their legs for those Europa League ties. And I guess, yeah, let's just get through somehow on Thursday, get a nice draw on Friday, and and, uh, and we go again. The priority is Europa League. It has to be. You know, a trophy is lovely. We know what it's like. Um, I say we, I mean me. Um, and Arsenal. And um, European trophy especially, lovely. And also... Um, you know, that reward of Champions League. And if we get, you you know, it's, it's just about reaching as high as we can. I, I still have this feeling that we would benefit in the league if we didn't get in Europa League through the league, if we didn't come fifth, sixth or seventh. But at the same time, we need to get in the Europa League so we have another chance at Champions League. So it's a bit of a catch-22. Um, I kind of just gave up all hope on this season, to be honest. And, and we're in a decent position. But as I said to you off the off, uh, offline, it's very much... Um, Emery season 1.0 or it, it, it's kind of the second coming it feels very similar kind of pushing for that European place probably not going to get it getting into a into the latter stages of Europe you know all or nothing and um, hopefully Arteta can go one or two better um, but at least we're seeing style um, and substance which we, which we had, didn't see in that Emery stage and I just wanted to throw it back to you because a lot of the things you've mentioned today, you've alluded and you haven't directly said it. You, you kind of said it about, you know, the, the manager was a bit negative and, and the comments, etc. But how much of the blame do you put on Jose Mourinho for this kind of slight slump in form overall? And, and kind of alongside that, you didn't touch just before, you, you mentioned Son and Lamella. You didn't really mention Bale. And again, it's kind of, you know, we had those really good couple of games. And, and I guess it's easy to, to, to put the big names on the spotlight on them. But I guess what, what I'm trying to ask is, what do you expect from Jose Mourinho and Gareth Bale for the next two months of your season? Um, I mean, with Mourinho, I kind of expect 
what we've seen recently, really, where he'll probably take the handbrake off a bit against teams lower down in the table. But when he's playing against a, a top six club, he'll revert to his negative instincts. And maybe in some matches that will work for us and in others it, it won't. I feel like even though we're, what, six points off fourth with a game in hand, so win that, only three points off fourth, still very much in the mix. But I feel like top four, we're just too inconsistent. Is I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, that, that defeat to Arsenal didn't kill our chances, but the, the performance, I feel like, it did in the sense that if that's how we play against Arsenal, I don't see that we're going to pick up the wins that we'd need to against the likes of Villa and Everton and Man United or Leicester to finish in the top four. So I think it's a case of do we finish in the top six? Do we pull off what would be a huge upset in the Carabao Cup? Do we go far in the Europa League? I think Mourinho is definitely going to put his eggs in, in that basket. He wants to be the guy who wins a trophy and does what Poch couldn't. But I feel like we might see a return to kind of stroppy Jose, particularly if the Son injury is as bad as feared and other players don't perform. I mean, he was criticising the players again after yesterday, accusing some of them of hiding. So I worry that we're going to get back to that sort of negative uh, negative spiral, to borrow a phrase from AVB, that we were in uh, at the start of the year. Um, and with Bale, I think what we've seen the past couple of weeks, I mean, in a way, mirroring Jose, I think if you look at the teams Bale scored against and played well against, it's not the the top sides in the league. And part of that is because he hasn't been played against the top sides in the league. And you, I, I, I don't think you can really blame him too much for yesterday. He didn't have a good game, but let's be honest, not many players did. Um but I wonder whether, in a way, it, it was interesting that he was the first person Mourinho chose to take off. Obviously, he was forced into take, taking off Son. But the fact that he put on uh, Suzoko for Bale and Bale looked quite upset about that. And I think that was telling that Mourinho doesn't trust Bale to do the defensive work in games against the top sides. I mean, Doherty was just getting absolutely slaughtered on, on that side and, and Bale wasn't really offering much protection. And I think that was one of the reasons why people thought he wasn't playing Bale to start with because he thought he didn't have the fitness to run up and down the wing for 90 minutes and protect the fullback. So it's interesting that, that he hooked Bale off first and, and maybe we might see Bale's minutes, uh, particularly against the top sides, be few and far between if Mourinho now doesn't think he can trust him to do a defensive defensive job. Um, so I guess I, I, it sounds like my um, expectations for the two of them between now and the end of the season aren't that high. I think Bale will still give us some great moments. I mean, we saw, I think the Palace game uh, was after we last spoke and, and before this, and, and Bale was incredible in that game. And it, watching him and Kane combine it was great to see and it was a lot of fun. And I think we will still have moments and days like that between now and the end of the season. But whether or not we're going to get the the cup winning goal from him that we all dreamed of when he signed, I'm, I'm not so sure. But I think that's as much to do with Mourinho and the team or more to do with Mourinho and the team than it is to do with, with Bale. Yeah, yeah. And I get you. And I guess it sounds like he's going home 
home to sunny Madrid to play a bit of golf when it all opens up in the summer. So it's just about getting those good moments out of him. And, you know, I think it's April 20th or, or whatever it is, that cup final. You want him doing something there and something special in Europe. And uh, I guess shame for him, not for us, that he didn't have his last hurrah against Arsenal. But I think he's had quite a few moments against us. So uh, I'm glad he didn't do it again. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a shame that he didn't. He couldn't roll back the years with another, another great goal against Arsenal. I mean, Bale played the last time, well, the only time we've ever won in the league at the Emirates back in 2010 when we came from 2-0 down to win 3-2. Bale scored the goal that, that got that comeback started. So it would have been strange if if Bale then had come back and won at the Emirates again and the only times we'd, we'd won there in the league was with Bale. But, but it wasn't to be. And you wonder whether... With Bale and with Mourinho, you get this kind of nagging sense of, I mean, you were sort of joking about it offline about whether Spurs would be one of the only clubs where Mourinho doesn't win a trophy. And it's days like yesterday that do make you wonder whether we're going to be that sort of that outlier in his career, the, you know, the one place where Mourinho couldn't work his magic. And I think it was said, um, maybe last month when there were all the, the rumours in the press linking Nagelsmann to the job and that Mourinho basically this next month was going to be sort of make or break for him. And I think it losing to Arsenal in, in the manner that we did, I think it really is now. That cup final you mentioned is is so huge, particularly if we're not going to finish in the top four. And, and if we come away from the season empty-handed, considering the attacking riches that he did have at his disposal, considering that Levy did kind of fulfil that that dream to bring Bale home, then I think it really will be big question marks in the summer. I mean, I think for most Spurs fans, it's not even a question mark. I think I know where most Spurs fans stand on Mourinho now. And yet, on the flip side, there is still huge potential for this to be an historic season. And I wonder in the Europa League, looking at that quarterfinal draw, assuming Arsenal do go through, when you look at the other teams now, who do you see as the biggest threat? Because after that, that game yesterday, from a Spurs perspective, I look at all the teams left in the Europa League and fear them now and think, any, you know, as soon as we play a half-decent team, we're probably going out of this. I mean, look, maybe we'll go out to Zagreb on uh, on Thursday, but if not to them, I, I feel like the first half-decent team we play, we're going out. I wonder how yeah. Arsenal fans feel and how you're kind of looking at the, the competition. Yeah, well, just to touch upon what you're saying, I was I was just thinking, it's a, it's a fine margins games, isn't it? A good game, because... You know, that came free kick. I, thought, I mean, I don't know how it got through that wall, but that could have gone in. The offside call easily could have, you know, if he'd made his run a little bit better. They, they, you know, you win. You're close to top four. Game on hand in Chelsea. You go into your, you know, you're buzzing. It's a fine margins game. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure you can turn it around. I, I do think, you know, midweek, or not midweek, sorry, during the FA Cup games next week, good result against Villa. Um, and that could set you up with a bit of momentum, but obviously Villa, with uh, the keeper that should have been ours, uh, still um, could could be uh, a tough a tough ask, especially with Grealish back. In terms of the Europa League, I, I, was, I don't know who I was saying it to the other day. I said I said in the first leg, all the favourites won. I thought, you know, or, or were winning the leg because I saw I see Milan as the favourite, and they they got that away goal. Um, I'd still be petrified of Ajax, I think. I'd be pretty scared of Milan, not United. I know famous last words. Um, and the rest of them, not so much, to be honest. Again, Arteta, I think he can do it. And maybe those two as well. 
Maybe we don't need to be petrified. I, we, you know, if we can beat City on our day and comprehensively with a great game plan, then I do believe that we could beat anyone. And again, that's that is our test of strength, or it needs to be, is that tactical. Um, um, I don't even have a word for it. It's, it's something special where he can just read the interactions right. He kind of knows the conditions. He gets the right set up. I kind of wish we had Maitland-Niles back because it, it feels like a waste of, you know, he's been absolutely wasted at West Brom this year. It was a really silly loan move. He could have gone to anywhere. Um, but he was such a good utility player. And uh, just to have they're these big game players, it's a bit like Jason Park for, for United. Um, it's a bit like Milner. Um, who else am I thinking about? You might know a few. There's those players that you bring in, they do the job. Darren Fletcher used to do it at United. They just they just come in they just come in and there's big games and they, they they do the job nicely and and I do feel like we're missing maybe a little bit of that. El Nene seems to be to be bringing, putting that mantle upon himself and we've had the most amazing Europa League season. You know, started by the young players, we've now got a nice balance. Um, I do feel like it could be our year this year. I really do, but it, it might be wishful thinking and just because you know I've got the trophy bug from last season. Um, but I'm I'm just I'm just praying that that you know with Odegaard now in the mix and everyone settled in and it's all clicking together. Why not? Honestly, why not? We have the ta- we have the talent, we have the ability to do it. It's just about conditions, and that's why yeah, you've got to focus on on keeping everyone fit at this stage. Uh, it's I'm excited now. At least there's something to get excited about, and I guess you know you want to be thinking about Europe. I know you said you're scared, but do you think that how important do you think that League Cup game is? If you lost that, do you think that would have a domino effect on the League on the Europe European tie if you're still in? It's a good question. I think it it really depends on how we lose, I guess, because if we win, it could have then a hugely positive. If we win that, it it could be then what makes us go on and win the Europa League if we're still in it. Because I think the semi-final tie is the the Thursday after the first leg is the Thursday after the the final. So, I mean, I guess it could go either way, you know, positive or negative. There could be a hangover if we either from winning it or losing it. But you'd think if we're still in the Europa League, winning that, winning the Carabao Cup is only going to give us even more confidence that we can go on and win the Europa. But if we get absolutely, like if City absolutely thrash us, then that could be quite hard to bounce back from, particularly if we're playing a big I mean you'd expect to be playing in the semi-final a big team so yeah I think it and obviously it's an even bigger game if we're not in the Europa League anymore because then it is the only chance of silverware Mm. um so yeah I think it it will be really decide I mean City uh, United beating them the other week and we obviously beat them earlier in the season City are vulnerable they can be beaten and I guess we're thinking about it from our perspective of our European tie, but if City are in the Champions League semi-finals, which I think would be the first time under Pep that they would have got that far, then let's be honest, that's going to be their main priority because that's yeah. the trophy they really want to win. Absolutely. So I guess for Spurs fans, we need to be cheering on City in the Champions League because maybe the only chance we've got of winning that game is if they're distracted and rotating and resting players and it gives us half a chance then of, of causing an upset. Yeah, I mean, I think they could put their youth team out and beat everyone. Still, that's the that's the joke about it all. 
Yeah, and uh, to think we we thought we were going to have this wide open title race, and instead City have just <laughs> absolutely run away with it. Um, but I do wonder whether I feel like this summer, whichever of whichever Premier League club, if any Premier League club signs Erling Haaland, <laughs> then they'll be the ones to win the title next season. If Chelsea sign him, the way they've improved under Tuchel, they'll win the title. If City sign him, then God help the rest of the league because I don't know how we're meant to compete if. <laughs> they've got De Bruyne supplying Haaland that would just be another another level completely yeah I agree with you and I wonder whether you know there's so many ifs and buts now if the clock suddenly decides to leave then what what happens to them I mean it, if they, they keep wanting Mbappe if they don't get in the Champions League I and mean, it's not happening I don't know if they have the money to do that and United again I mean if they somehow fall out the top four now I don't know. They're talking about a new contract for Oli. I don't know that. You know, it, we, we've seen money seems to buy the league at the end of the day. It does, apart from the Leicester season. You know, Liverpool spent big, big money, big players. They won the league, albeit it was like an accumulation over a couple of years. But in City now, all of that that great investment. I saw something ridiculous. It was on Sky. It was like Cancelo was bought for like sixty million something. I'm like, no wonder he's good. Like. No wonder they're winning when they're like utility right back is cost that much and Walker like cost 50 million. I mean, I mean, it's just too much money. And, and Pep jokes about it, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to win because of my success because we, we spend the most money. But it's true. You know, they didn't, City uh, came out of nowhere. You know, it's not like they had gradual uh, building blocks. You know, they, they it started with that Robino signing and, and all those. Um, and and all the and all the ones that followed after that, and yeah, Adibayor. yeah, Adi Listen, they they made some good investments, and then they went, they only went big in hindsight. You know, when they all signed these players, I didn't think too much. Even De Bruyne, you're like, yeah, he did did all right. You know, he seems good, and they, he's they kind of they kind of buy the best talent that are up and coming still. So Haaland does kind of kind of fit that bill. Um, and yeah, I guess when and people start when I start thinking about Arsenal in comparison, when we're a world away, we're an absolute world away, and it's it's very sad to think that it's kind of you know City, Chelsea, when they want to turn up, and everyone else. And I don't know if no matter what Spurs or Arsenal do, you know, you build new stadiums, you make get new young talent through, you make an interesting signing for fifty million once in a while, but is that enough to compete at the top? I don't know, and. And I think there will be a, I do believe there'll be a point where either there's a super league or a, or a cap, salary cap or, or fee cap, which level, which levels the playing field a bit. I mean, we spoke about it the other day about the, the, the limiting transfers between, what was it again? It was something about. About not, the top, the top kind of six or whatever, the, the top eight clubs, I think it was, and kind of the expanded Champions League not mm-hmm. being able to sell to each other. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's. I don't know if it'll be something like that, but but something's got to give. Otherwise, what's the point? If we're all if we're only just hoping for fourth place every year, I'm not going to start going with my fourth place trophy uh, anytime soon. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that on that area. Yeah, it's interesting because actually the, a lot of things you said kind of touched on something I've been thinking lately with Mourinho, in that in a way. With Pep, you know, his first season at City didn't go very well at all by their standards. And then he spent, as you said, all that, all that money to fix the defence. 
and then they've they've gone on and, and won everything they've won. And, and with Mourinho, in a way, I, I admire him. I mean, you could say he, he came to Tottenham because his reputation was in tatters. He, you know, he had no choice, etc. But for him to come to a club like Spurs where you don't have the financial muscle that he had the first time around at Chelsea or even at United or Real Madrid. And, yeah. and having experienced Mourinho now, it's kind of changed my opinion of what makes a good manager because at Chelsea, at Real Madrid, even at Inter Milan, you know, he had the best players and had all the money to spend. So, of course, you're going to win big things. Of course, you're going to be the special one. But how good are you when you actually have to be somewhere where you haven't inherited great players, where you can't fix everything in the transfer market, where you have to try and make the team more than the sum of its parts and improve players? Can you actually do that? And I think we're we're finding out right now whether or not Mourinho can. And some people might say the answer is already clear that he can't. Some might say it's still up in the air. But I think his Champions League wins with Porto and Inter were genuinely special because they weren't the best teams in the competitions those years. And it was genuinely a tactical plan and a mentality thing to get more out of those players than maybe other managers could have done. But what he did at Chelsea with Abramovich's billions a lot of other managers could have done with those. And you saw it, all the other managers who've now gone and won titles at Chelsea. Real Madrid, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo at his disposal, you know. Even Inter Milan domestically, okay, they weren't maybe the four, you know, they haven't won many titles since, but still. And so that's why I look more admiringly now at managers, you know, and I know um, people kind of have turned on these managers a bit because of uh, the, the forms collapsed. But you, you, you do look at managers like, Hassan Hussle at Southampton or Graham Potter at Brighton or even Scott Parker at Fulham. And you go, OK, you know, would these quote um, these managers who we consider to be elite managers, would they actually be doing a better job with, with those players than, than these guys are? Would actually they be doing a worse job? Because it's easy to be the best when you've got all the money and you've got the best players. But what can you do with limited resources? And it's kind of been factored into my thinking. Where I've been thinking, well, who would I want to replace Mourinho if we did sack him in the summer and it's like you don't get a bigger name in world football than Mourinho in, in terms of what he's won but something's not quite working out at the moment at Spurs now maybe he'll go on and win the Europa League and this will all sound very silly in <laughs> retrospect but and I hope that is the case but it does make you wonder because like Pochettino that's the closest Spurs have come to kind of breaking that glass ceiling you were talking about you know we came this close to winning a Champions League and winning a title as a Soko hand away. Exactly. And that wasn't with, you know, Pochettino, when we hired him, he wasn't a huge, you know, he'd done a decent job at Southampton, but he wasn't a huge name who'd won major trophies. So, yeah, kind of thinking, looking at Pep and City, obviously he's got them playing a style of football that most managers wouldn't be able to do with those resources. You know, maybe a different manager wouldn't have them as far ahead as they are right now. But I feel like there's still a caveat with everything they do when you consider the money they've spent. And I feel like, you know, Pep, okay, 20 game winning streak, whatever, but I wouldn't have him as manager of the season because like you said, he's spent the GDP of a small country basically on his four defenders. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, but you know, it's kind of the cliche of, could you do it on a wet windy night in Stoke? Like, let's see how you would do managing Stoke. You know, I think to be fair, Pep even said, I can't remember who he said it about, Maybe it was Chris Wilder, actually. I think I read it after Chris Wilder was sacked. He said, you know, if Chris Wilder was here at City, he'd have them competing for the title. And if I was at Sheffield United, I'd be fighting relegation. You know, it's all about 
you know you are limited in a way by what you've got at your disposal so yeah and I guess with Arteta it's kind of similar I mean he worked with Pep but he's a novice young manager but arguably he's getting more out of your team than maybe Allegri for example who is linked to the job would have done even though he's got a more kind of glittering CV because again at Juventus he had resources there that you don't get at most other clubs Mm. and it's context isn't it some top managers you know an AVB just didn't work at Spurs didn't really work at Chelsea but it seemed to work at put in uh, and was it Porto you know the these it's all about context and you mentioned Chris Wilder one one for the Spurs favorite you know if you'd asked me that question a couple months ago when we were on that run of like five losses and six I would have I probably would have taken anyone at that point um I mean I think he is a good manager I don't think he'll be getting the Spurs job but I think whichever either lower table lower league Premier League club goes for him whichever championship club goes for him will do very well out of it I think obviously Sheffield United have had a bad season but I think he's still a good manager. I think it's telling that they lost 5-0 after he was sacked, which was the heaviest defeat of the season. <laughs> so uh, clearly getting rid of him. I mean, it sounds like it was a mutual thing. Apparently he was close to walking away in January, but it'll be interesting. I, I worry a bit for Sheffield United. I think they've been one of the big victims in a way of, of lockdown. You look at, yeah. they, they were flying and then they've come back. And I think that it was then the Aston Villa, wasn't it? The very first game post-lockdown yeah. where the Hawkeye didn't work. Yeah. And in a way, that set the tone for everything that followed for them. Very sad, and it shows that you could, how fast you how fast you can rise, and or rather slow rise and fast fall. Yeah, ca- cautionary tale for sure for all of us. I have one more question, actually. Um, you know, Arsenal won two one the derby. Very proud, very happy, good performance. Do you think this is the sign that North London might be becoming? you know mar- maroon running <laughs> yeah. well we uh a rose type color yeah i mean we talked about this offline as well cuz i found all the north london is red stuff afterwards a little bit over the top <laughs> considering you are still 10th and uh you know if and this might become quite pertinent because if the two games this season were a two-legged tie then then we would have won 3-2 on aggregate so you know if you look at the two games, it's 1-1. You know, you beat us, we beat you. I think, I mean, North London definitely isn't white. Tottenham aren't as dominant as I thought we were going to be this season. It's only a four-point gap now. Um, but yeah, the, the, the colour is definitely changing. It's some sort of mix. What mix it is, I, I'm not sure. Maybe it will become clearer over the coming weeks and, and by the end of the season if uh, there'll be whoever finishes higher in the league, which... I like to think will still be us, although at this stage, who knows? But then there's the, you know, we finished above you last season, but you ended it, ended it with a trophy and, and maybe the same thing will happen again. So I guess it's still, still, North London's still up for grabs, I'd say. North London is Rose. North London's Rose. North London is Rose. Not Danny Rose. Not Danny Rose. Where is Danny Rose nowadays? It's a good question. It's a very good question. Yeah, we should. Yeah. He'd be good. Him and O'Hara and Wilder can make up the panel. <laughs> that would be great. I'll, I'll start making the calls now. Excellent. 